Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Oath. I am your host, Justin Rich, along with me, Jesse Perrier. And Jesse, introduce our guest to us today. Today we have Cornelia Thomas with... Um, and she's going to talk about uh, mental health and our, our veterans and some of the stuff that she does. Absolutely. Uh, Cordelia, first off, thank you so much. And it is Winds of Liberty, by the way, uh, who, who she represents. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for yeah. having me. As you all might remember, actually, we had the privilege of sitting down with her husband last, last show. And we discussed a lot about the financial literacy. We talked about financial management and planning the importance of that and in the military. And then we also kind of connected the dots of the importance of, of, you know, the financial aspect. And then, of course, you know, bringing in Cordier here, um, we're going to talk about the mental health aspect and, and how, you know, the, the family dynamic there in the military. So we'll go ahead and start jumping right into our questions here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Normally I have paper in front of me. But uh, so, Cordia, just out of curiosity, um, let's jump right into it. Do you find that training uh, that... Whoop, you said not to ask. Jesse, ask your question first, please. Sure. Um, so w one of the things that, that I experience personally and, and something you may deal with um, with some of your clients is what would you recommend that families do uh, to reintegrate that deploying or, or member that's been away for a while to get them back into the family dynamic? Um, in, in my personal experience, you know, when I was gone, I, I spent 24 months on a carrier and of that time, I spent 18 months at sea. And so my wife was essentially a single parent while I was gone. Correct. And so she had developed these new routines with our son, who was three years old at the time. And so suddenly I show up and I want to just go in and kind of, you know, like I've never been gone. And obviously that creates lots of... Tension. Tension. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and problems. And what would be the best way to kind of deal with that situation? I think one of the best ways to deal with a situation is, first of all, awareness. Just being aware of knowing that it is an issue that needs to be addressed, that you can't come in gung-ho, ready to take off where you left off. Because for them, like you said, there's been a lot of time that's gone by where you haven't been there. But in your mind, in your memory, it was like yesterday, even though you've had all that time. So you just want to pick right up where things were, were, where you left. And like when you left, they were in second grade. Now they're going into third grade, right? So mm. things are different. So having a time of observation where you're learning and you're watching what some of the new routines are, having that frank conversation, communication with your spouse, partner, where are we at now? What are they learning now? What are they doing? And just being aware and being willing to take a back seat for a little bit and being okay with that but taking a back seat doesn't mean i'm cut out or i'm not a part and taking it slow even talking to children asking them what do you like now what's important to you you know what are some of the when you get in trouble what is how does mom deal with that and how we deal with that and just taking it slow and that gives them a chance to relearn you feel comfortable with you um, and then it will go a lot smoother. Hmm. Doesn't have to be fast. Take it slow. I, I, I yeah, great information. I wish right. I would have known that when I came back from <laughs> I think, uh, deployment. I think it's definitely a common myth, especially in the military. We're go 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 go. Right? right. It's like when I come home, like 
I'm still the man. I'm still, you know, I'm here, right? But you mm -hmm. have been absent from six months to, for me, it was 17 months, you yeah. know. But with that being said, I love how you said you're incorporating the child even into this equation, yes. right? And you're saying, well, how does mom deal with this situation? Uh, you, Kids you, love to talk. Absolutely. They, I know mine does. So um, <laughs> They will tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and just realizing that. Right. But so with that, though, I mean, the question that I have, too, is, is it seems like there's a lot of trust even in earning that child's trust. Right. So you're you're asking him, how does mom handle this situation? It almost sounds like you're kind of expecting them to give you a truthful answer. I don't want to call children liars. <laughs> but at the same time, like, you know, where where's the line there? Correct. Well, there definitely is a certain age where kids will uh, tell on themselves. They're so brutally honest that they will tell on mm -hmm. themselves. So depending upon age, of course, yeah. are you asking your teen how mom deals with things? <laughs> yeah. Or are you asking your seven-year-old how mom deals with things? Big difference. You're going to get a quite different answer with both of those scenarios. But it is still important to ask. But then, of course, you still have your spouse and you have your partner. You can go to them and say, hey, you know, Samantha said you deal with things this way. You know, let's talk about that. Let's communicate about that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, or Paul, who's seven, says we deal with things this way. Mom says, yep, Paul's right on. That's how we deal with it. But you also have to realize when you come back home, your kids are feeling you out. Right? They're testing the waters with you. They're yeah. trying to feel, is this the same dad that left or is this the same mom that left? You know, who's who's coming back in the home? Because to you, to them, you're not a stranger, but they need to know how you're going to treat them. Absolutely. Well, and, and I think in, in many instances, um, depending on the age of the child, they may not remember when you left. Correct. And suddenly you're this strange person coming back into the house. Mm -hmm. They just have to get to know who you are. Correct. It's your, you know, dad was some abstract concept or mom, uh, d depending on which, which parents coming back that, uh, when you let, when, you know, especially when you're talking, um, children that are three years old, four years old, uh, and if you've been gone a while, it's, you're an anomaly. Right. I like to call that the Santa Claus syndrome. <laughs> right. Kids, we all, they all know about Santa Claus. Santa Claus comes and he brings the Christmas gifts and puts them on the tree. But as soon as you think, take them to sit them on Santa's lap, what do they do? Yeah, they freak ball. But this is Santa Claus. <laughs> no, that's 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 a that's brilliant. I think that's a great great analogy. Um, is there anything like couples can do to pre-plan that reintegration, or things they can do during that separation to kind of mitigate some of those issues? Oh, absolutely. And, and of course, that really do, does depend on the age of the child. But absolutely. The trick, and it can be difficult, but it can be done. You just have to find unique ways to do it. And, and you also have to find ways to do it that works with the family, with your family, your family culture, your family dynamics. But the key is connectivity, even when you are apart. Um, some of the things that I tell some clients that I have, because I do have clients that sometimes come in and they're getting ready to do deployment. Um, they have the checklist of all the things they need to do, make sure the finances are in order, the bills are going to be paid. I've seen that checklist that oh, they yeah. have. But one of the things that sometimes are not on that checklist is communication with your family, um, even the kids. So one thing that's really important, depending upon your age of kids, is the transparency. I'm leaving and why I'm leaving, because what sometimes we forget to realize is for example, seven and eight-year-olds uh, believe that everything that happens in their life is something that they put into play. Mm -hmm. Interesting. They don't realize that that's your job. 
I have to go. They think that somehow they put that action into play. And so being able to explain to them, this has nothing to do with you. This is something that I have to do, and I love you, is really important for them yeah. to know that they did not make this happen, yeah. but it's something that has to happen because of work, right? Mm -hmm. And then sometimes what I've told um, some of my clients is, hey, Dad, take two hours. Uh, Dad, Mom, who's ever leaving, take a couple hours. Write a letter for every week you're going to be gone and every month you're going to be gone. Give it to mom or the person who's staying. Make sure that kid gets that letter when you're gone. They don't know where it came from, but that's connectivity. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you're gone, but they get this letter from you once a week all the time. Every Friday when I get home from school, I get a letter from dad. Hmm. That's nice. a really interesting point because I think mm -hmm. we're all too reliable or reliant on modern technology, right? Even in combat zones and deployment mm -hmm. zones, you know, it's not uncommon for to be able to jump on a conference call with, you know, the family back at home. But depending on your job, it's a real rarity as well. I mean, the SF guys aren't going to have that same ability as, you know, say a generator mechanic or, you know, uh, someone of that nature. So I think I think that's really an excellent idea, and it, and it really kind of sets that family, that reintegration up for success. So, um, I, you know, that's that's really a great idea. I right. wish I would have thought of that when I was in the military. Absolutely. And, and, and so I'd kind of like, you know, <clears throat> we've kind of talked about, you know, how it affects the kids, but what about the couples? What's, what's mm -hmm. the key there for them to maintain their relationship um, during those times? Once again, I'm going to go back to connectivity. It's really about staying connected when you are part. The most successful relationships uh, deployment, even long-distance relationships, the, the key to making those relationships work is the connectivity. How connective can we remain when you're gone? And I hear what you're saying. Sometimes that connectivity is really hard depending upon what the job is that you're doing when you're gone. Um, and so, but if there's a way that you can make sure that there's a, there's a time that you're going to try to uh, stick to to make sure that you're able to talk technology, I don't know whether you Skype or however that is, um, if you can get that one letter off. Um, sometimes little silly things that people might think that are silly, you know, every Saturday night at 12 o'clock I'll be looking up at the moon, you look up <laughs> at what you're looking up and I'll, I'll send a prayer your direction, you send one back to me. Any little thing that you can do or, you know, I'm, I have my watch, you have your watch, mine's going to beep at 3 o'clock every day, yours going to beep and I'm going to stop for a second and, and know that that's you. Anything that you can do that helps you stay connected while you're apart, it's going to make it so much easier um, when you come back. And I also think it's really important w with technology, if you're Skyping or you get to email or talk to each other, partners, you first, kids and business next, right? Mm -hmm. Make sure you spend that first five minutes just reconnecting with each other, right. telling each other how you feel, how you miss each other. But sometimes, so much time has gone by, when it's time to talk to you, and this happened, and this happened, and you want to get all mm -hmm. the business done, the business can wait. Right. Let's reconnect first and then go into the business. Well, I think, I think with that being said, too, I, I think a great point to mention, too, is there has to be a certain level of transparency and there has to be a certain level of, how do I put this? When you join the military, you have to look at the circumstances as to why you're joining the military. When I was, you know, joining, I mean, it was right before the recession, but when I was getting out, the recession was hitting. People were joining because they had no other choice, right? This is a way to provide for their family. There was no job, so I'm going to go join the military. Uh, but then ultimately where I'm getting at with this is 
you know, you, we have to communicate with one another what the expectations are. You know, right. we have to prepare ourselves. Look, you know what? I have to go to NTC for 30 days. I'm going to be gone 30 days. I might have to be gone longer. So we have to be realistic in our approach with that as well and try to prepare ourselves as much mentally, I think, for that. Um, a lifestyle in the military is very unpredictable. I know Jesse was a submariner. I mean, you didn't know when you were going and where you were going and how long. No, absolutely. And, uh, well, when I was on submarines, there, there was an email there were no phone calls or, or Skype. It was, uh, you had family grams and it was simply, it was a one way. They would send you a form letter that had 50 words on it. Mm. And that was all you got. And your name and their name were two words. So you had 48 words to communicate and they could have sent that family gram a month ago. Yeah. Um, you know, but there, there were other ways to communicate. Um, if there was an emergency, stuff like that, they could send messages out. Um, but there's no way to communicate back. Um, so it was definitely difficult in that way. On the carrier, it was a lot different. Uh, we had email. But in some ways, I found that that was worse because you had email. And email is so subjective to the mm -hmm. what the person's thinking on the other end. Um, so it's just like anything. A text or email is the emotion is, is not based on what the person, the sender. It's based on the receiver. And, uh, and sometimes I felt that was actually worse. <laughs> it's hard to read, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. but how, how honest should you be in communication with your partner or with even with your children? Right. When, when it's time to face these issues, some expected, some not so expected, right. You know, you're to prepare for the field. You just don't know when you're going out in the field and how long it's going to be. You might not know until literally the night before. So how realistic should you be in approaching this with your family? Completely, 100%. And, of course, it depends on uh, on the age of mm -hmm. your child, once again. on on We always talk about age-appropriate age conversation, mm -hmm. right? Um, the way that you may explain something like that to your 13-year-old and the way you may explain it to your 10-year-old is going to be completely different. But as transparent as you can be, because being prepared is so important, or being as prepared as you can be. We can never be 100% prepared for anything. But that way, if it has something that happens quickly, unexpected, or, you know, I'm supposed to go for two weeks, but now I'm leaving tomorrow, as much communication as you've done back here about that, here's what's going on, here's what might be coming down, I want everybody to know, um, I love you, and then just having all your ducks in a row, because we don't know exactly when it's going to happen. So making sure that the people that are left back at home feel secure, now I'm talking about the partner, we have everything taken care of, we already know when, when the money comes out, the draft comes out for this bill. We know when it comes out for this. We've got that taken care of. Uh, the cars have had their oil changes, new tires. You know, as much work as you can do on this end before it's going to happen, yeah. the more secure and safe the family feels and they're ready. They feel like, I can handle this. I can handle mm -hmm. this while you're gone. I'm prepared. Right. Well, and, and even just having, if the car breaks, here's who you call. Exactly. Right. Here, exactly. Here's the number for the mechanic. Here's when you need to get oil, get oil changes and mm -hmm. uh, either scheduling those in advance while you're gone or because uh, that's the biggest thing. I, I think that uh, one of the biggest things people, uh, families run into is when you're deployed. If you're the person that always takes care of that and suddenly you're gone, mm -hmm. who do I call? Mm -hmm. What do I do? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, and having those plans in advance. And I find it, it it's even more important when you have younger couples. Mm -hmm. Um there's a lot of couples in the military where 
the guy is 18, 19 years old. The wife is 18, 19 years old. They've never been away from home. And suddenly, you know, they grew up in Alabama and now they're in Washington and there's no family around and nothing to do. So it's even more important to, right. to have that plan in place. Here's who you call. Here's the number. Here's when you pay this bill. Here's how you do it. Here's the passwords and having that plan in place. Um, I would also like to add just also being responsible. Mm -hmm. um, it, it should be mandatory uh, to have that conversation because a lot of times with couples, you have at least one that has the avoidant behavior, right? That would be me. I admit it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I'll be fine. It'll be all, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Right. So one of the two might have that avoidant behavior. I don't really want to talk about it. I'm good. I've got it handled. So probably most likely the person that's going to need to leave needs to be the one that takes the responsibility and says, no, this is mandatory. Mm -hmm. We need to have this conversation. And I need for you, because I may not know what you need, you know, because I'm thinking logically, do this, do this, do this, you know, the cars and who we're going to call. But what do you need that maybe I have not thought of for when I'm gone? Yeah. Mm. What and are we, some things I didn't think about? Right. This is one of those times where being in the military really works out, whether you're male or female. It's like, look, you know, this is an important issue. It has to get done. Let's let's make sure that we do it, right? And one of the things that my wife and I have worked on constantly ourselves is, you know, missing each other and then being there when we need to be there for each other, right? Meaning my wife is notorious for talking to me at the most inopportune times there is, right? She'll come in there and talk to me as I'm getting into bed. And I'm like, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. Why didn't we talk about this like an hour ago? And vice versa. I will oftentimes do that to her, right? So it's important that we find the time to talk about these. And as yes. as the leader of the household or, or as a person in the military, you know, this is where that you want to be assertive but not dominant mm -hmm. and say, look, you know what? We've got to talk about this because we need to make these plans and you know what? Generally, you know that you're being deployed at least 30, 60 days ahead of time. So you should have some time to be able to prepare for this. And mm -hmm. one of the things I say the military does great is they do have several resources in place. You know, they have chaplains. They have, um, back in my day, it was FRGs. FRGs are still around, but they're they're kind of dwindling a little bit, right? I think the Navy has the deployment resiliency counselors on the, on the carriers. Um, so there are resources out there. It's important that you take that time with your spouse to even go and show them where these locations are and, and get them comfortable and used to utilizing these resources. Well, and, and, and typically we have, uh, I don't know if the Army, but the Navy had ombudsman. Mm -hmm. So the ombudsman yes. would be a family member uh, who's a member of the command right. um, that has those connections with, with the senior command. Uh, to, so if there are problems, they can they can answer questions quickly. And uh, typically it's someone who's spouse has been in the military for a, a long period of time so they're knowledgeable and they've been around and uh, but using those and leveraging those connections when you have problems uh, to, to, to get your issue right. resolved. Now Cordelia just out of curiosity do you offer any sort of resources at your practice for spouses that are dealing with deployment? I mean can can someone whose husband or wife is, is deployed come to your office and say look you know I just need some help kind of with with this period. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, definitely do a lot of work around what we call reunification. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes that's court-ordered for a totally different reason. It has nothing to do with the military. But sometimes I have had families come and say, how do we reunify? How do we make this work? What's the best way to make this work? 
Um, and so we work around that. Sometimes there, unfortunately, there, ha there are issues with the children. So uh, family members will come in because the children are having a difficulty uh, transitioning with dad back at the home or mom back in the home. So there's some difficulty there. And we'll do some work around working with the family around helping the child become more comfortable right. uh, with the uh, family member coming back into the home. Right. So that's definitely a resource. Um, sometimes we work on just even sometimes they see the, the, the spouse, the partner, when the person is deployed. So I'm a safe place to go. I've got 50 minutes just to have someone to talk about all the crazy things that mm -hmm. are going on mm -hmm. in my life. Someone that will just listen, support, and offer me some resources um, on how to get through this time. Right. You know, I, I personally found that the hardest time was coming back. And then, you know, I was medically retired, so I didn't do 20-plus years. But I have lots of friends that have done 20 years or so. Yes. And... Even still, even if they were never deployed, there was still a struggle because, you know, they're used to mom or dad being gone on a regular basis. They're mm -hmm. going to Korea for training. They're going to, you know, air assault school or airborne school. I mean, they're used to them being gone for lengthy periods of time, right? So even if you've never experienced any combat, because we put a lot of we put a lot of emphasis on combat when we talk about the family dynamics, um, we we put a lot of emphasis on combat or being away on a carrier or, or whatever. But realistically, I mean, this could occur even if you've never been to combat. I mean, those problems still exist. And when you're getting Correct. out of the military and your family's been used to you going here and there willy nilly, and they're not really used to you being there, Correct. it becomes an issue when that. 16 year old is like well my dad's here and now all of a sudden he wants to be you know the boss and you know where correct. do we go correct correct absolutely same issues uh, apply as we talked about earlier you, you the person returning has to take a slow approach into reunifying into the family um, observe learn ask questions be willing to to wait it's going to come mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. patience is the key patience awareness and observation and great communication I and not that, being afraid to go I don't know you know I don't know I don't know the answer so let's talk about it. let's figure it out um, and sometimes doing something different doing something new not doing things the same old same old lots of great conversation needs to go around there and above all take advantage of those resources whether they be military yes. or in the community I mean people like Hodia are here to support our men and women and whether you're military or not I mean she and, and Wings of Liberty are, are definitely, or Winds of Liberty are here to actually support our, our people, you know. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. So, again, kind of referring back to, you know, the emphasis on, on combat. And I, I know you're not very familiar with the training received by our military people or, or even law enforcement, right? But do, do you see difficulty, regardless of if someone's been combat, you know, into combat or not, do you see the, a difficulty with, just kind of a military mindset in general of how people interact with their family. Do you think that there's kind of an alteration there or? I'm not a hundred percent sure of the question, but what I will say um, in my experience, so I can only talk about my experience mm -hmm. with clients uh, through Winds of Liberty. I do feel like there is a, a military culture or soldier culture, if you will, um, regardless to whether you're in the army or the air force, you know, there's, there seems to be a culture mm -hmm. and some of that culture is, you know, you go get them, you know, action. And, you know, that's, that's what I do. I'm coming in. And, and so sometimes having the ability to, to, to step back and have a professional want to come in and help is, is a little difficult. 
um, because there's that mentality, I've, I've got this, I've been trained to do this, I know what to do, and I know how to fix my family, I know how to fix myself. Um, and, and listening to a, a, another person trying to come in and say, well, let's, let's look at doing it this way or let's look at doing it that way uh, can be difficult sometimes, but when the clients come in and they're willing to sit back and listen and learn, learn some new tools, learn some new skills, really find out where their kid is at and why their kid maybe uh, have some issues of suffering, maybe even a little bit of trauma when uh, dad or mom left, and being able to, to deal with that, things go a lot smoother and a lot better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Well, and I would think sometimes in dealing with military folks, and I, I imagine you see this uh, too if you deal with Anybody who, who has long separations, yes. whether it's from yes. incarceration or uh, just normal jobs where, you know, maybe you go work on an oil rig out in the Gulf of Mexico for mm -hmm. 90 days at a time. Uh, the, the, the situation is probably very similar from a kid's standpoint and from a spouse standpoint is, you know, I have to maintain the house and the car and everything else. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the risks for you, the other person that's gone is is different. Um so how would you, um, do you find that, that sometimes when, when people come back, they're resistant to seeking help? What would you say to folks that are coming back and, and maybe the spouse says, Hey, we need to go get help. And, and, and <laughs> that's typically, yeah, and, and that's the one typically says, what happens well, It's the uh, partner says we're going. And, and, and one says, well, I don't see what's wrong. Why, you know, <laughs> right. So how would, how would right. you uh, recommend right. that people approach that situation? Well, listen to your partner that says we need to go to therapy. Okay, listen. There's a reason why they're saying let's go to therapy. So you are absolutely right. A lot of times the clients that come in, if they're dealing with that, whether um, it's because they've been gone, like you said, because they're out there on an oil rig or they're fishing in Alaska, whatever the reason is that they're coming in, um, there's usually something is happening that's making the partner say we need to get help. And I think it's so hard because the person that's been gone, they've been gone. So they don't understand the impact really of coming back and how that shifts the whole environment in the home because it, it really does. Yeah. Because once again, I'm, we have set a pattern. We've got a schedule. We have an agenda. We have ways we, that we are doing things. And you're coming in and you're trying to upset that entire balance. And that really freaks out the people that are still at home. Mm -hmm. And so being able to go to somebody and say, help us create a balance that works for everybody. Right. And I, I think just like in dealing with, with the stigma of mental health in general, there's, there's, it, this is a stigma as well, right? So you come back, your partner, your spouse says, hey, look, let's go get help, right? Immediately, I'm thinking, well, what's wrong with me? What's, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with my child? What's, what's going on, right? A thousand things are running through my mind. But the positive aspect of this is, is your spouse said, hey, you're worth fixing whatever the problem is, right? Correct. So I'm not just flaking and going and leaving, right? I'm here. This problem I think is fixable. Let's do this together. And that's the benefit that I see when, I mean, I used to not think that way, but, uh, you know, but the point is, is, you know, your partner, your spouse came to you and, you, and, and said, hey, we need help. Let's fix this. They didn't just flake out on you. Correct. Absolutely. Well, well, and I think it's, it's, you know, sometimes you go, well, well there's nothing wrong. Mm. It's, it's your problem. I'm, I'm back now. So it's fixed. And it's, it's recognizing that that's not always the case that sometimes the person who's been gone needs to step up and recognize that they're the change in the environment. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and and well right mm-hmm. and recognizing that and that's the most difficult thing yeah. I think. and in mm-hmm. in this transition it it could happen not just from you know i've known people that have gone to basic ait and then an advanced school i think the navy calls it a school um but they'll go to an advanced school so they'll be gone some of these aits are like a year long and then they'll come back and even still they haven't really been in the military but a year maybe two years and they still need to recognize that they left now they're reunited so it really doesn't matter combat or not or how long you've been in the military what matters is is the separation point and your spouse comes to you and says hey you know what we we have problems we need to fix it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i have a question for you so do you change your approach based on the backgrounds of the people that are coming to you and and, and let me let me clarify that so sure. if if i'm someone who comes in my my background is maybe I, I have a high school education vice I'm college educated and have a degree. Do you change your approach based on that and, and based on my my age? So say I'm a 20-year-old a couple coming to you, Vice, maybe a 25 or 30-year-old couple who are college educated. Do you change your approach to that? That's a complicated question. I'm aware of that. I need to know those things going in um, as a therapist. So I do a mental health eval. So when a client comes in the very first time, it's like a six, seven page mental health eval. So I'm just gathering a lot of information about your medical, your background, where you live, your job, your stressors, your faith. And I'm just gaining a whole bunch of information, why you've come in, what you want to gain from having therapy, what are your coping skills, medication. I'm getting as much information as I can because I need to know where some of the issues may lie and where some of the problems uh, lie. I do have that information in my background in case I need it. But the main thing for me to do is to meet the client where they're at. I need to know what they're at, what their issues are, not have my own agenda per se, um, because then I might miss something. So a good example of that is, you know, you could have, um, the only thing I can think of, let's use the military, I could have a client come in and, and maybe one client has been deployed three times and one client's only been deployed one time, right? That's, that's different. I need to be aware of that because I wonder how much those three uh, deployments has affected this client. Yeah. But maybe the one time it's really affected this person. The three times this person's, hmm, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, do you, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you take into account like, does any of your, your, your questions and your, your kind of pre-testing there evaluate emotional intelligence? They do on some level, yes. Um, trying to think if there's anything particular. Yes, I would say my mental health evaluation is pretty comprehensive. So mm. I am getting at, uh, like I said, their background. Um, it's it's funny because once you start asking questions, it kind of reminds me of being here. Once you start asking questions, people just start <laughs> talking. They share. You know, it takes about once I get to the second page of my mental health evaluation, I'm getting answers to things I didn't even ask. Yeah. Right. So a lot of their background um, does come in, and it is important in um, how I'm going to work with the client. You know, I don't want to talk over anybody's head. Yeah. Right. I need to meet them where they're at, their language, where they're at. Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to talk way down here either because I want to help them be successful in life, right? Um, and so, yeah, that does come into play. I so, think that that's a huge thing, you know, people knowing in advance when I go in there that, you know, when I go talk to Cornelia that she's going to talk on my level regardless of right. where my emotional intelligence is or 
or my mental health, you know, based on my background. And I think that that intake you do is so important mm-hmm. uh, yes. to really evaluating that and, and meeting them at that level. And I think in military speak, what that means is, is, you know what, there's a big difference between the lifestyles of an enlisted and, and an officer, right? So, I mean, in theory, it looks the same. But there's a lot of big differences there, right? The lifestyles. Correct. Enlisted don't understand what an officer's going through, the command decisions that are being made, and what they're going through, and the scrutiny, and vice versa, you know. Um, so to me, what I'm hearing is, I learned that in therapy. What I learned, <laughs> what I'm hearing is, uh, you know, basically you're, you're going you're gonna to speak to an enlisted man the way that an enlisted man is Correct. used to being speak to. You're going to speak to an officer the way an officer is used to being speak, uh, spoken to. You're going to speak to people in a way that's relatable to them, which is really important. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's really, that's, I, again, you know, going back, that's really important because I know in the military, oftentimes we get a little frustrated and feel that people don't really hear what we're saying and, and they don't really relate to us because you're going to see someone that's a major and you're a sergeant, you know, and you're trying to talk to them. Mm-hmm. But there's still that level that you have to keep it at. So mm-hmm. um, with that being said, we're going to take a short break and we're going to um, take a couple of minutes just to kind of get back to things. When we come back, we're actually going to talk a little bit about your practice. And rumor has it you're going to be a New York seller, best uh, an author here. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about our book, too, if she wants to disclose sure. some info on that. And we'll talk more about your practice. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks again for coming back and joining us again. You know, Jesse Perrier here. And then, of course, Cornelia. Yes. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Winds of Liberty, folks. I got it right this time. Cornelia Thomas. <laughs> there you go. So um, you wanted to mention something because we kind of left off on a little bit of a cliffhanger there where we talked about the differences kind of in communication with the enlisted and the officers. Mm-hmm. And then even during the break, we talked a little bit as well about like with Jesse's experience, how he transitioned from being enlisted over to the officer. So you were talking a little bit about the communications and and, and the differences there. So would you like to elaborate? I just wanted to reiterate how important it is in in good or best practice, best therapeutic practice is to make sure that I as a therapist meet the client where they're at and that's emotionally, intellectually, uh, with whatever background they bring in. Um, we have clients that are artistic, like I was saying before. We also have clients who um, are entrepreneurs and they're able to start their own businesses and they have several businesses. And of course, how I'm talking to the autistic client and how I'm talking to the entrepreneur is going to be completely different. Yeah. And that's across the board, no matter what your job or your occupation is. It's really important that I meet the client where they're talking so they always feel a level of respect and they feel that I am being genuine with them and I genuinely care about who they are as a person mm-hmm. and I respect them as a person. Yeah, absolutely. Now, and now, that's key. Yeah. Now, my understanding is, too, that uh, you and your husband do bring a certain um, religious kind of approach to it as well. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to, you know, Bible thump someone or no. whatever, but that really plays no. a role in your guys' approach to how you're interacting with people as well. Correct. Yeah. That is correct. Yes, we do. Um, believe in the spirituality of people. Um, we do believe that we all um, have spirit, mind, body, mm-hmm. you know, so we want it. But within, even in that, we want to meet the client where they're at. So you're absolutely correct. We're not going to, you know, let's open up the scripture and have prayer um, if that's not where they are at. You know, I actually have clients that have come in that are atheists, and, I, and I'm going to respect that, that that's their belief system. But I've also had clients come in that have said, yes, please pray with me. I would love for you to pray with me, and I will pray with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I think that's really important, too, because mm. I, 
me personally and, and, and in my family, we've been to therapists and that's not always the case. There, there's not that always that openness and uh, willingness to uh, meet you where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's a huge, huge benefit, you know, if someone's looking for somebody that you're willing to meet them there right. and, and, and that they are the most important thing. And, and, and they feel that when they come in and, and visit with you and, and, and sit it's down definitely with you. a respect issue, um, definitely a respect issue, but it also, we want to convey to our clients at Wizard Liberty that we care about you just as you are, just the way you walked in the door. We care about you. You don't right. have to be anybody special, be anybody you, you don't have to believe the way that I believe. Mm. I'm going to respect you and care about you. You're here for help. Let us help you. Right. The objective isn't necessarily to change people as no. they walk through the door, but it's to empower them and to give them the tools and the resources they need for themselves to be successful. Correct. And their tools may be different than the tools that you and your husband would would could use for Absolutely. yourselves. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Some tools they'll they'll take and run with it. Some tools they may not like so much. That's okay. It has to fit your lifestyle, fit your family, fit your culture. So here it is. Pick. Yeah. Pick what works for you. Absolutely. Well, that's really exciting. I brought that up because I, you know, I actually spent some time on the website over the past few weeks actually reading up on on kind of your approach because you mm-hmm. give a little bit about your approach on your website. Um, but tell us a little bit about the therapists that work with you because it's not just you and Jay that actually run this. I mean, there's a group of you guys that work, right? Yes, that is correct. Um, we have two therapists and we have two coaches. We have two different type of coaches. So therapy is myself, and I also have another therapist. Her name is Jessie, and we do the therapy, you know, working mm-hmm. with clients across the board, anxiety, depression, uh, bipolar, uh, personality disorders, life transitions, grief, you know, depends on what they're coming in for. But then we also have a personal life coach. Um, and she deals with clients and she does marriage as well as she does individual who, you know, looking for some new goals. Mm-hmm. I want to write a book. Can you help me set some goals down on how to write a book? You know, um, I'm kind of dealing with some self-esteem issues. Can you help me kind of build up my self-esteem and I've got a little bit of insecurity, you know, so her stuff is a lot of her information is curriculum based. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I also have a financial coach, which is Jay Thomas, who was here with you guys at the last podcast. And he helps families with their financial planning, their uh, getting out of debt. And um, we have found that when we work with uh, couples, finances comes up so often. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge connection. I think where you guys are really cutting edge is the fact that you can do the financial part with Jay, sit down with you and do the mental health part and then bring it all together. That's a tremendous asset to be able to have in in one location. Right. This really goes back to, you know, on a spiritual level, you know, mind, body, and soul, right? I mean, the whole person, we often look at either the medical or the spiritual. We don't really connect the two together very well. It seems like you guys have a really well-balanced practice that really connects the whole man or the whole woman um, and really just works to address all the issues. Yeah, we're trying to have a holistic approach. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a lot of times people go to therapy, and when they get done with therapy, they're, they're done. Or they continue to see the therapist way past when they need to see the therapist, but they're not really ready to clip their wings yet. Yeah. And that's where the personal coach comes in. You know, you have learned the tools and the skills to be successful. Now why don't you see the life coach and let her help you put some of that into practice. Mm-hmm. Now, when, when, when folks come to see you, do you have in mind like a number of sessions they're going to need to go through? Or um, I know from my personal experience, like I don't feel I ever finished what I needed to do. 
Like I personally just stopped going, which was not obviously the positive, the, the best outcome. Um, what do you find is, is, is kind of the magic number or, or, or how do you, how do you kind of tell your clients up front? Like, this is what we're going to recommend and how often you're going to need to come and, well, after I complete my mental health evaluation, I do what I call a preliminary treatment plan with them. Um, and based on that mental health evaluation, I can kind of ascertain, is this a client that needs to come in every other week? Or is this a client that needs to come in once a week for a while, and then maybe we can graduate to every other week? Mm -hmm. um, depending upon the severity of what they're going through, if they're in crisis mode and they need somebody to come help them stabilize a little bit before um, we move into an every other week type of situation. Mm, yeah. um, so every client is different. And then it usually takes about the third session before I can kind of tell, are they really here to work? Are they really, really ready to work and um, get in, get the tools, get the skills, and get out? Or maybe not. Yeah. Right. Maybe not. Maybe it is going to take a little bit longer because they move a little bit slower. I mean, I only have 45 to 50 minutes with you. Yeah. Right. So what you do outside really determines how long you need to come and see me inside, if you will. Yeah. Um, and so it just it just varies. And then I do. I have um, clients that have been with me for years, but they come in because I enjoy therapy. I like what I learn. And so they'll come in once a month just for follow up. Nice. Right. Well, it's almost, it's almost like, I mean, as a, as a professional in the industry, every so often you have to renew your credentials. I'm right. assuming there's some continual education there, right? So you're, All you're always exploring <laughs> these options and routes. Yes. I can't blame these guys for coming in and saying, look, I want to know what you know, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to kind of, you know, explore these new techniques and these new options. I mean, look at the differences between how PTSD, PTSD is being treated today compared to 10 years ago. Correct. I mean, look at all the different therapies now as a result of people stepping up and saying, look, everybody's having different experiences and, and now we have so many different options, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I can't really blame those guys for wanting to come in and kind of stick around, you know, and you're a lovely person as well. Oh, so, thank you. Know. I appreciate it. You're a lovely person as well. <laughs> so... But um, with that, you know, can you can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, what type of tools and resources do you do you typically recommend or refer to your to your customers or your clients that are coming in? Like outside of them working inside of the home, do you do you work with them outside as well by giving them tools and resources that they can use in the community? Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm a tool resource person. I love, if there's any information that I can, like I've, I'm already piggybacking on what, <laughs> what you do and, and, and making sure that clients know about that if they need that. So fortunately, I am always looking out into the community because I want people, I believe in that holistic approach. Mm -hmm. Let's back up for a minute. I believe in that holistic approach that we were talking about. I can't do it all by myself. When the liberty can't do it all by themselves. Um, I just referred a, a client the other day to uh, online yoga for anxiety. You know, so I'm using all kinds of online technology, local community um, resources are out there. There's so many things that are out there and my little resource drawer is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and as I'm compacting and putting new information in there. So yes, I love to use right. outside resources, even online stuff to mm -hmm. help with my clients. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's, that's really important as well when, when you're talking to individuals that are providing therapy, right? 
I mean, it, it, it is great that the person sitting in front of you has the tools and resources, has the education right, but it's very important that they're willing to share those tools and resources with you because I've met a few where it's, it's like pulling kind of teeth almost to get these tools and resources. Like, I want you to keep coming back, but I'll give you the tools and resources, you know, when I want to give you those resources. Yeah. But, you know, and that's why I like being a part of NAMI. I don't know if you're familiar with NAMI, but I love being a part of NAMI because they give me the tools and resources when I need them, as I need them, you know, and um, mm -hmm. it's a great program. And, you know, I, I always recommend um, people, you know, to them and vice versa. I, I recommend people to you guys now, too, actually. So but, I'm um, thrilled. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. No. So. Um, Jesse, do you have any additional questions about well, her practice? Or? Well, you mentioned that you're, you're writing a book, and it's in the process of being finished up. Can you mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about the book, what it covers, and where people will be able to find it when it's done? Absolutely. Well, the book is, is it's a book. It's not a novel. <laughs> it's more like a guide. Um, so I work a lot with what I call emotional abandonment, and emotional abandonment is just a, a big term to really talk about different forms of trauma. Uh, so that could be uh, a PTSD type of trauma. That could be um, growing up with an alcoholic father or growing out, growing up with an absentee mother, whatever it is. It, emotional abandonment, it seems to be the term uh, that uh, kind of encapsulates all of that. It's probably the wrong word. I apologize for that. But um, So the emotional abandonment is a guide. So it's like a self-help guide where clients can actually do some of that work on their own. Once again, I only have them for 50 minutes. So once again, another resource. Here, here's the book. Work on some stuff at home, and then let's come back and talk about how it's working out for you. Will there be tools and skills in there that you really love? Or will it be the, some that you don't really care for? Sure. But I want you to have that... I don't want you to have to come back and pay me all right. the time. If you can do some work at home on your own, save yourself some money, and then come back in here when you've tried yeah. this, this, or that, and we'll talk about it. Absolutely, because right. I want you to be well. I want you to be whole. Right. I want you to be successful. Right, and that's that's really exciting. You know, my wife and I, a few years ago, when we were undergoing our therapy and counseling, and you know, we got this love map. You know, we, we would answer questions about each other. Well, that really wasn't working for us. But what we actually did is we took the questions. And we actually asked each other these questions and we would answer for the other person and see how far off we were. And that really kind of drew us closer. So really, it's kind of great to hear you say, look, you know what, take what works for you mm -hmm. with the resources. You know, I'll give you a resource, but you don't necessarily have to stick to this, right? It's a guide as to what's going to work for you. Correct. So mm -hmm. that's really, really great and important. And I'm very excited to, um, you know, what's the name of the book and when can we expect to be able to read it? Well, the book is literally called Emotional Abandonment, <laughs> and it's called, you know, The Guide. It's a workbook to emotional abandonment, and probably be out, be out in about three months. Okay. Mm -hmm. Is this something like if I bought it on Amazon, I'd be able to take the, the, uh, the instructions that are in the book and work on them on my own? Yes. Or is this something like I would want to work with with a, with a counselor? Well, of course, I would prefer that you work with a, with a counselor <laughs> just because there's some things that – you're going to read and you're going to want to do, and it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to process it. So if you can process that in communication with somebody, mm -hmm. somebody that's going to be non-biased, right, okay. um, and once again meet you where you're at, that's yeah. going to be a lot better for you, and it's going to go a lot further. You'll also be able to, of course, buy the book through the Winds of Liberty website as well. Okay. Um, but there, we have different people. There are some people that probably can go through that workbook, do just fine, be able to process fine um, and not go in and see a therapist. Most 
probably should have a therapist lined up mm, right. so they can process through some of the work that's in the workbook with somebody. Right. And then before we really begin to kind of close out here, um, you know, if there's, I know there's a lot to say to the military community, especially when it comes to emotional abandonment, mental health, and kind of the family dynamic. But if there's one big piece of advice that you can really relay to our military community, particularly our active duty folks, like if you could really shake them and say, look, here's the biggest piece of advice I can give you, what would it be? Oh, that's complicated. <laughs> but that's a very good question. But the first thing that I would say first is thank you. I would like to thank our, our service, our veterans, those that are still in the military for just being so amazing um, and for their service. Just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, the other thing that I would say, I really like that statement that, come out, that came out recently, you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. That is like one of my favorites. And so my advice would be awareness. Do not be afraid to ask the questions. Do not be afraid to go out there and find some answers to those questions. Yeah. If you don't know, because once again, that sometimes when we don't know, we, we're not supposed to not know. I have to know. I should know and I can fix this. Ask. Right. That would be the advice. Ask. Find the answers. Find out what you don't know. Yeah. And, and above all, it does not mean that you're a weak person. It does not make you any less of a human being. It doesn't make you less of a husband, less of a father. It just means that it, it really does take a lot of strength for you to step up and say, look, I don't know. Let's, let's, That's let's work this together. Let's find the answers together. And, and, I mean, that's the biggest thing that I try to relate to people is, look, you know, I'm asking for help, it, it doesn't mean you're a weak person. I think it makes you a strong person. Absolutely. If you're willing to say, it, who knows everything? If you're willing to say, I don't know, and I'm willing to learn for my family and for those who I love and my partner, that's strength. Yeah, we're going to edit that out because I don't want my wife hearing that. But um, <laughs> I'm <laughs> kidding. No, my wife always tells me, Justin, you need to get better about, you know, saying like you don't know or you're, you know. And, and it is a challenge, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's very tough, especially mm -hmm. for men, I mm -hmm. think, really, to say like, I don't know. Right. But I like mm -hmm. to research. So I like to say, oh, I know the answer. And then Google like real quick behind <laughs> her back, you know, and then I'll be like, here's the answer. And then she asks a million questions. And I'm like, I really don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, ultimately, you know, we really want to say thank you and, and really just thank you for being a service in our community. Thank you for being willing to serve our men and women in the armed forces and the veterans community and their families. Um, and if there's anything we can do here at, at the Oath to support you guys, please let us know. Yes, and I would also like to let um, uh, those that are watching know, too, that if they were to decide that Winds of Liberty was a place that they wanted to explore coming, that, that our office does follow confidentiality. Yep. Um, mm. And so they don't have to worry about people that they don't want to know, knowing about what they've decided to do or not to do right. if they come into our office. Yeah. Yep. So what's, what's the best way to get in contact with you and Jay and set up an appointment and uh, get that going? Well, definitely, you can definitely get an appointment by visiting Winds of Liberty because we do have the ability for you to schedule an appointment right there online okay. uh, through the website. The other way is by giving us a phone call, um, and the number is 253-770-5956. We have a 24-hour answering service because we want to make sure that our clients are always able to talk to somebody. It's so frustrating when you go into what I call never-never land, mm -hmm. right, on the phone and push this button and put yeah. So we want to make sure our clients always hear a live voice. Yeah. So you will always get a live voice when you call. 
um, to have somebody to talk to. And yeah, that's important. And just real quick, um, these individuals, I know it's probably a contracted service, right? Your 24-hour answering your service. But right. I'm assuming that um, they are at least somewhat trained if someone calls in and they're in crisis mode. Um, these individuals can potentially relay them to the crisis line or, or get them to help in the moment that they may Correct. be needing. Absolutely, they sure can. Um, they have a script to help them to be able to do that. Um, and they are also HIPAA compliant. Mm -hmm. So when you call into the answering service, once again, it's contracted, but mm -hmm. they have to follow the same HIPAA compliant guidelines, which means keeping all their information completely confidential. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, real quick, let's talk very shortly about HIPAA real quick sure. and military. When they call you guys and they're talking to you, mm -hmm. Do they have to worry about you guys relaying information back to chain of command or anything like that, which we kind of talked about with, with Jay last show, but, you know, it being that this is kind of more of your, your wheelhouse here, we would love to hear that answer from you too. The answer is no. <laughs> if I want to keep my license, I need to follow HIPAA, and I need to be compliant with that and keep everything confidential. Perfect. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, I, I think I think you guys are a great resource. You're right in the middle of, the, of a large military community, and and I think you guys can really help some folks out. Right, That's right. very important. So once again, we thank Winds of Liberty for coming on to our show, back-to-back -back shows, which is really fantastic. And Jay was really great. Um, you're great. And, and you. for any information, um, we will have their information posted on our website, www.oathpodcast.com. And then the other thing, too, of course, is their logo and all their contact info is also right here on BDO Local. It should be scrolling through the screen there. Um, but before we kind of let you go, you got to hear Jesse and I talk a little bit. So we're yes. just going to close out the show here. Um, but again, thank you for your time. We're really excited to, you know, be working with you guys in the community. Um, but we do have some upcoming shows that you might actually find a little interesting yourself, actually. Um, Jesse, why don't we talk a little bit about the upcoming show? Who did we find in the community that is really exciting to be working with transition-wise? So we got uh, the Veteran Transition Mission, uh, a guy named Kyle Cochera. They started a group where veterans can go get uh, training after their service. Um, and whether they have their, B, their VA education benefits or not, um, and it's in IT and cybersecurity. Um, and so what you do is you contact them. Uh, it's a veteran transition mission. Uh, you go to their website, you apply, um, and they have a, a number of schools around the country. They set you up. It's a nine-week course. You graduate with a certification in either IT or cybersecurity. You don't need a bachelor's degree. Uh, it's all paid for. Um, and it, it's a great uh, opportunity, and it doesn't matter what you did in the military, whether you were infantry or an IT person or a cook, uh, once you pass the screening and, and they think that you can make it through the courses, they'll do it. They'll help you with job assistance, uh, and it's really, really a great program. I'm right, really right. excited to talk about Kyle, and that's going to be on the 6th of uh, April. Right, right, and you know what? Finding them was just kind of a stroke of, of luck for us. You know, we were just kind of doing some research, and we came across the website, and I was like, oh, Jesse, give this guy a call. It's so yeah. it was really exciting. Um, we're very excited to have I think I'm going to sign up for myself <clears throat> just to go. I'm telling you, man, I thought about <laughs> they have it. A course, so. They have a class here that's a uh, school in Bellevue here mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. Washington. Right, so. right. And then, and then coming up as well, we have Mr. David Oliver of 
of the Oliver Law Group here in Tacoma. And he is a VA, VA appeals attorney, so he handles VA appeals, and then he also handles the board uh, the board level appeals as well. So we're going to be having him come on the show here. I think it's our next show coming up on the twentieth. On the twentieth, and uh, we're we're going to catch him at a really good time because literally he's going to go from court to right here in our studio. So it's going to be exciting because. Um, to to hear firsthand about how first off when do you want to get an attorney involved, what the process entails, and better yet, like how do I handle these things? And yeah, um, so, yeah, yeah. So I think if if you're someone that's uh, uh, filed a, a VA claim and have been denied and are applying or appealing that that process, mm-hmm. uh, just because it can be a very long, drawn out, and very unclear what the path is, um, he's going to help explain that and. Uh, help you navigate that, that Absolutely. process. And then while we're primarily focusing on the VA, of course, he does handle social security claims as well. Um, but, but typically, you know, we do get common cross cr- questions there, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with the VA or I'm, I've got 70% with the VA. Can I also get social security? So I would encourage people to really write in your questions because this is the best time to answer them. Cause it's the only time you'll probably get free legal advice. So write in Absolutely. and do this. Um, but Jesse, again, thank you so much again for joining us. And real quick, as a reminder, I thank know you, I say Justin. this every week, but you know, Jesse um, has got a great service out there in University Place, uh, his logo down there. And, and visit him, folks. That flotation will change your life. Um, and so visit him out there, Urban Float and University Place. And as always, folks, we thank you for your time, and we look forward to seeing you next week. And as always, remember that you are loved and cared for. Be here with this next week or the next show because you are loved and cared for, and we want to see you here. And thank you, Cornelia, for joining us and today. Thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed it.